Welcome to Reader, I Murdered Him, a real podcast about fake crimes. Every week, I'll tell you about one of my favorite books, but like it's true crime. This podcast isn't spoiler-free, so listen at your own risk. There are two kinds of people on Searsha Island, locals and tourists. And Searsha Island loves its tourists. They're the reason the island economy can survive harsh winters set apart from the rest of the world. The reason the locals can afford to live even when the apple orchard, which provides a majority of Searsha's jobs and income, goes dormant. And if the locals hear rumors about witches on the island, a magic that makes the tree's colors just a little more vibrant, that lives in the earth and the blood of Searsha natives. Well, they lean into it, selling spells, tinctures, teas, and tea leaf readings. But then high school senior Lily Morgan, a Searsha native with roots that go back generations to the island town's founding, is found dead, and the apple orchard that is the lifeblood of Searsha is set aflame. And while locals all have an idea of who they think killed her, police aren't able to find any evidence to make a conviction. And Lily's death turns into a cold case that becomes a new kind of specter over Searsha Island, and brings a new kind of tourist. But when the man the town believes kills Lily returns to Searsha, the locals have had enough. It's time someone was held accountable. I'm Risa P, and this is The Mysterious Death of Lily Morgan. Searsha Island is located in Washington State and can easily be accessed from the mainland by ferry, but it might as well be a world of its own, especially in the winter months, when ferry travel becomes more difficult. And while the islanders pride themselves on their independence, the reality is the whole Searsha economy depends on the mainland. While a fair number of residents are fishermen, the two most lucrative businesses in Searsha are tourism and the Salt family's apple orchard, both of which are so intertwined, one couldn't exist without the other. And just like the rest of Searsha Island, the apple orchard comes with its own bit of local lore, because the orchard didn't always belong to the Salt family. At Searsha's founding, the apple orchard actually belonged to the Morgan family, And while the Morgan family did see huge financial gains because of the apple orchard's bounty, they were also stewards of the island and took a lot of what they earned and spent it building up the community, making sure the other families had secure work if they needed it, and opening up the orchard to tourists who became the lifeblood of other families' businesses. But more than that, the Morgan family, the Morgan women especially, seems to have a near sacred connection to the earth. A connection that local lore does not fail to mention, 
claiming that the Morgan women possessed a magic that allowed them to bless the ground of the apple orchard and ensure that the trees would always bloom and give a bountiful harvest that spilled out into the community. And a town founded on such beautiful, giving lore seems like it would be a great place to live. Until you get to the second half of the Morgan family legend, which is where a Morgan woman, heir to the Morgan apple orchard, marries a salt. Now because this is legend rather than historical fact, it's difficult to say just how the Morgan family was using their power and position in Circe. Were they the benevolent Earth Mothers of the legend? Maybe. But truth usually rests in the in-between places. And modern gossip would claim that the Morgan women like to act a bit superior to the other families in Circe, especially those who are not particularly well-known founding families. So when the Salts married the Morgans, there may have been more at play here than just greed. There may have been grudges. There may have been generations of feeling less than and long-term plots of revenge. It's hard to say. What is known for certain is that once married, the apple orchard underwent a name change, becoming the Salt family orchard. And then legal papers were drawn up, making sure that the orchard would always be inherited by the oldest Salt male of the next generation. The Morgans were completely shut out, and it only took several generations before the Morgans had no legal claim on the orchard at all anymore, and the Salt Dynasty took over. And this is important to the modern-day Circe because new people rarely move here, meaning the island is populated by a tight-knit group of generational locals, with a few even tighter-knit families making up the vast majority of its residents. This is both a good and a bad thing. It means the residents of the town are all close, with a fair number of them being related in some way or another. They're quick to help each other when one of their numbers falls on hard times, and when one person succeeds, all of Circe experiences the rise. But it also means every resident of Circe has an opinion on everyone else's private life. There are alliances and cliques that you are born into and can spend your whole life trying to get out of. There are generational grudges. One act of selfishness from the member of one family can impact the course of someone else's life. And leaving Circe isn't just moving out to a new space in the world. It's turning your back on a family and a way of life. So while the young people of Circe are raised by the community, they're held down by that same force as well, forced into the roles they were assigned through an accident of birth. Which leads us to the story of one Morgan in particular, Lily. Lily Morgan was found dead the night of her high school graduation. While her family no longer owned the orchard, the Morgans were still well-respected in Circe, and Lily had a good life, surrounded by her parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, and other Circe natives who may as well have been blood relatives. Lily had plans to stay on the island after graduation and work with her grandmother, a force of a woman who ran a business selling herbs and tinctures to the tourists, 
where she played up her connection with the earth and leaned into the well-known tourist gossip that claimed all Searsha women had the power of witchcraft. Had she lived, Lily would probably have followed in her grandmother's footsteps as a matriarch of Searsha Island. But as a teen, Lily was known for her beauty, her love of the land, and her wild spirit. Lily was a girl who threw herself into life full force, rarely thinking about the consequences. If she saw something she wanted, she went for it without pause to think through the consequences. And she was often reckless, just barely kept from tumbling over the edges of her bad decisions by three friends she'd had since childhood, Emery Blackwood, August Salt, and Dutch. This quartet of Searsha Island residents were inseparable from elementary school on, although the dynamic between the four of them shifted as they got older and began to age into their roles on Searsha. Lily was the daughter of a Morgan, a proud family who passed down a grudge directed not towards any particular salt, but at the family itself and their control of an apple orchard the Morgans felt should still belong to them. Dutch was the son of the walking joke of Searsha. His father was more local to the town bars than the town itself, couldn't hold down a job for more than a few weeks, and left Dutch to pick up the slack and raise himself, while trying to prove to the island that he could amount to more than his father something certain island residents were reluctant to believe, no matter how hard Dutch worked. August, being a salt himself, was heir to the orchard, his life path already paved for him. Although his father had left when he was young, abandoning his own claim to the orchard, which left August to try and win over a grandfather who was often physically abusive, and a mother who wasn't really a salt, and who the rest of town loved but pitied for her poor choice in men. Emery Blackwood was the daughter of another founding family of Searsha, but hers didn't come with as much baggage. The Blackwoods owned the local tea and spice shop, and her mother and grandmother would give uncannily accurate tea leaf readings to tourists. And Emery had been in love with August Salt since freshman year, a sentiment August reciprocated making a Blackwood-Salt family merger after graduation seem almost imminent. But there wouldn't be a wedding or a transition in orchard ownership, or any attempts at reclaiming the Morgan family land, because Lily's death would shatter the future Searsha had planned. The night after graduation, the senior class threw a party. But not just an all-night beachside bonfire like you might expect. This party was for the whole town, graduates and adults. And this year, August's mother had volunteered to plan and host it. It was a Searsha send-off for its young people, and something people look forward to every year. But it also made the night chaotic. No one was where they normally were, teenagers were sneaking off out of sight, it would have been easy for Lily's absence to have been missed, with everything else going on. But just minutes into the party, a section of the orchard catches fire. Everyone leaves the party in an emergency effort to keep the flames from spreading, because the trees aren't just the Salt family fortune, they're most of the town's livelihood. 
and in the attempts to stop the flames, Lily's newly dead body is discovered among the trees. She hasn't been out there for long, and the coroner is able to pinpoint her time of death to within a small bracket of hours. Hours everyone else in town had spent at the party. Except August Salt. August is the only person on all of Searsha who doesn't have an alibi for the time of Lily's death. But Lily's cause of death isn't straightforward at all. She isn't found anywhere near the water, but it's clear from the evidence of her body that she's drowned. Her lungs are filled with seawater and she has seaweed in her stomach. But the rest of her body is perfectly dry, with the exception of a few damp spots down the front of her dress. Even the makeup on her face that she'd carefully applied for the party is in perfect condition. Something that wouldn't have been possible if Lily had been submerged for any length of time, let alone long enough for her to have inhaled that much seawater. There are no fingerprints on her body, no footprints around her. It's like Lily just wandered away from the party on her own and drowned under the night sky surrounded by apple trees. Searsha police try to handle the investigation on their own, but they have no luck finding a suspect. State police get involved, but other than tromping around Searsha and making a mess, they don't contribute anything of substance to the investigation either. There is no evidence and no clear motive for Lily's death. It's a case that's destined to go cold. But Searsha Island has already made a conviction. August Salt was not where he was supposed to be. He is the only one on the island that doesn't have an alibi. And even more than that, he's an easily unlikable character thanks to his last name and his grandfather's reputation. So August Salt leaves the island and swears he'll never come back. And this is where the investigation into Lily Morgan's death has stagnated for over 10 years. The Islanders swear they know who killed her, just not why. And the police have said there is simply no evidence to convict anyone. Just because someone isn't where they're supposed to be, doesn't mean they're a murderer. And then Searsha Island is hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. While we all know the pandemic was brutal for everyone, Islands like Searsha, where the entirety of its population survives because of the tourist trade, they were hit particularly hard. Small businesses had to rely on loans to stay open, if even that was enough to keep them propped up. The orchard continued but relied on tourists to fill in a lot of their overflow expenses with event tickets and apple picking fees. So staff were reduced and everyone had to work at 110% just to scrape by. And this all distracts from the dark cloud of Lily Morgan's unsolved murder, because when people are submerged in dire problems of their own, the mysteries of other people become less important. And so while no one on Searsha forgets Lily, they finally start to move on. 
And as the pandemic ends and the island is finally able to open to tourists again, the money that revives local businesses and supports local families starts to turn things around. Things on Searsha begin to feel happier, the people are more grateful for their existence than they have been since the orchard fire and Lily's death. Until August Salt returns to the island and brings all of those dark feelings rushing back. While not official in the police report, but fairly official if you ask the gossips of Searsha Island, Lily Morgan had been in love with August Salt since childhood. A decision that was not entirely of her own free will. Because while Lily's parents were happy to see their daughter grow into a thriving young woman however she saw fit, Lily's grandmother had a different idea. Because the Morgans and the Salts had children so close in age, she began to think it was fate that the Morgans would be able to retake their orchard. After all, if a marriage lost them the orchard in the first place, a marriage could be the thing to win it back for them. But August never wanted anything to do with Lily as more than a friend. He was smitten with Emery Blackwood, and as the two grew up, it seemed fated that Emery and August would get married. Even Emery and August seemed to think so. But Lily, who'd been raised by her grandmother believing she was meant to be with August, couldn't quite find it in herself to be happy for her two best friends. She'd always felt August was hers, and that Emery was stealing something from her. And while Lily's parents left Searsha, blaming the island for what happened to their daughter and wanting a fresh start away from it, Lily's grandmother has stayed, the last Morgan woman on the island. And whether or not August is guilty of her granddaughter's murder, she blames him for Lily's death. And for his part, August wants nothing to do with the island either. But his mother has died, and her last wish was that her ashes be buried on Searsha so she can rest with the rest of her people. And no good son can deny the wish of his dying mother. So August plans to return for a single week to clear up his mother's affairs and get her laid to rest at a private cemetery. But as it always does, death complicates those plans. August assumes things will be straightforward, but when he looks for the deed to his mother's house, to sell it and get off the island as quickly as possible, he discovers that the deed has gone missing from his mother's papers. It has also gone missing from the Searsha Records Office. To get a copy of the deed, August will have to go back to the mainland. But he can't close out his mother's affairs without it. And that detail, that one seemingly small filing error, will lead to the unraveling of Lily Morgan's killer. Because when August does get a copy of the deed to his mother's house, he discovers it isn't the only deed that's gone missing from Searsha Island. August's grandfather passed away shortly after the orchard fire, and in an act that astounded everyone on Searsha, left the orchard to the town 
to be run by an elected official and to keep the jobs and the profits circulating within the town. The senior Salt was not known to be a kind or generous man. But the residents of Searshan need the orchard, so they're willing to allow this to be the one exception and not look too hard at the gift. But August does. When the mainland records office lets him know he is not only the owner of his mother's house, but the Searsha apple orchard as well. And so what does the Morgan Salt feud in an apple orchard deed have to do with the murder of an 18-year-old girl? For that to make sense, we're going to have to take a deeper look at the rumors of witchcraft on Searsha Island. Because while the locals like to make it seem they're playing into the idea the tourists have of the island residents, the rumors themselves aren't unfounded. Every family on Searsha Island, of the original founding families, inherits more than just real estate and a reputation from their mothers. They also inherit a spell book. Now, whether or not these books of spells are for actual magic or just ancient herbal remedies and recipes is a matter of speculation. But the women of Searsha believe these books to hold secrets to family power, and they are careful to preserve them and pass them down through the generations, as mothers teach their daughters how to read the books, grow and harvest the herbs, and mix up concoctions that can cure you of anything from a bad cough to a broken heart. And when Lily's grandmother realized she wouldn't be able to use love to win back the Morgan family orchard, she decided to use something else. Not all magic is good, and there are spells written in these books that can do terrible things like causing someone to drown on solid ground. And the Morgan family matriarch knew that as long as August and Emery were a couple, her granddaughter had no chance at marrying back into the Morgan family fortune. But Lily and Emery were best friends, which meant Lily was in a particularly advantageous position to cast a curse. But Lily wasn't as adept with the spellbook as her grandmother would have been, and the spell overwhelms her instead. Or the guilt of trying to curse and murder her best friend overwhelmed her. And while there is no way for modern forensics to prove whether or not magic was involved in Lily Morgan's death, it can prove that it was Lily's grandmother, with the help of several other founding elders of Searsha, who forged August's signature on the paperwork deeding the apple orchard back to the town. As far as crimes go, August Salt loved Searsha before the island accused him of murder and kicked him out. And he's willing to leave the apple orchard to the island as long as the island never calls him home again. In fact, the Searsha Island locals say that his trip back to the island allowed him to reconnect with his first and only love, and that he and Emery Blackwood left the island together to start a life away from the ghosts of their pasts. And the murder of Lily Morgan? 
That remains an open cold case to this day, as rumors of witchcraft gone wrong aren't enough to close a murder investigation for state police. But the people of Searsha Island? They know the truth. Thank you for listening to Reader, I Murdered Him. Today's episode was based on the book Spells for Forgetting by Adrian Young. This book is the kind of slow burn thriller that really focuses on relationships over the murder investigation itself. And while there are moments of high tension, a majority of the unraveling happens in the second half of the book. While I thought the premise to this book was clever and Searsha Island was a beautiful setting, I was hoping for a little more magic for a magical realism book. While it is there, it's a pretty faint thread in a story where it's almost overshadowed by the rest of the book until it comes back in the last few chapters. If you've read it and want to talk about it, come join the Goodreads book club or grab discussion questions for your own real-world book clubs. You can keep in touch between episodes by emailing me at readerimurderedhimpod at gmail.com or by following me on Instagram at the stay-at-home creative. All of those links can be found below in the show notes. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to come back next week for another episode of Reader, I Murdered Him. Absolve Mr. Wick.